You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. As I customarily do, I go through one or two products that we carry in Natural Stacks that I love because how often do you get to hear like people's actual reactions to the supplements that they take. And what I wanted to talk about today was the Myco line. One thing that is definitely different about the Myco line is that all of the mushrooms that are in those products, Myco Mind, Myco Immune, and Myco Boost are made from the actual fruited mushroom. Not mycelium grown on grain, but the actual fruited mushroom is the ingredient that makes it into those little capsules that you take. And that's not that common. I mean, there are other companies to do that, but the best selling uh, mushroom products are grown on grain. It's just mycelium of it. So I thought it was kind of a key point and it's, and it's a testament to the way that natural stocks does everything. It's, uh, attention to detail and, um, just the best possible ingredients. So check it out. Use the code Mac 15 for 15% off your first online purchase. On this episode of the optimal performance podcast, I sit down with Kevin Ballister. And if you don't know the name Cabin Ballister yet, you probably will because this guy is working his tail off and partnering with lots of different very cool people around um, brain injuries and recovery. The story is is pretty amazing. Uh, in 2011, Cabin fell 20 feet from a rooftop water tower scaffolding and had the sort of brain injury that the statistics don't look good for you. And um, to live, let alone recover. And what he found through experimentation and research is the best way to recover from a traumatic brain injury through food and what foods you should be eating. And now he's working to improve the food quality in hospitals to help people with brain injuries. And he works with families. And not only is his story pretty incredible, but this guy knows all about the importance of healthy fats and what sort of supplements to be taking. Um, hearing what he takes in his nootropic stack is pretty cool uh he's just a really a really interesting guy and he knows so much about the brain and how it how you can recover from um, tbi that if anybody that you know uh is suffering from something like this um you can send this to them you can forward this podcast over because uh, it's really valuable information without further ado enjoy you're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. One of my my general uh um manager for my float centers was on i don't know if you saw the amtrak train accident up here in seattle a couple of months ago um tbi uh aaron uh, broken ribs and um shoulder stuff and uh i sat with him in the in the hospital for for three days while they you know, well, he was, you know, induced coma to, to, to try to bounce back, you know, massive swelling and stuff like that. And, um, so it's, it's near and dear. He's like a brother to me and he's, um, he's, he's recovered really quickly. Um, but it's, it's, it's a marathon, right? You know? Yeah. 
Well, I was I was looking at your uh, at your supplements. Uh huh. Um, at the the krill oil. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I I work with clients and listen to this. I've successfully uh, had talked to my clients about talking to their healthcare team in order to change the feeding that they're receiving. So I want to talk about that a little bit, like, but yeah. I've successfully gotten the healthcare or gotten them to get the healthcare team to administer high dose omega threes, specifically DHA. How high? Uh, six grams of just DHA, so like twelve grams of fish oil. Ah. Yes, in the hospital, from a Do physician you... administered, okayed by the physician. Unbelievable. Wow. So there's lots of studies that show this. In fact, if you go to feedabrain.com forward slash omega, um, uh-huh. I talk about that. And what I did there is essentially round up some of the research on it so that a, a physician can go there and like check it out and be like, well, this covers my ass. Like, this is good. Let's yeah. go. Right. Yeah. Here's the reason I'm okaying this therapy. Because this study, this study, and this study that some dude organized for me. Um, and so, so, I mean, the bottom line is we get a successful, we successfully are able to change the feeds. And I've seen clients uh, wake up from a coma. I've seen them learn how to sit up again because their muscles had atrophied so much as mine had. I had seen them take their first steps. And then I've seen uh, a client's daughter say thank you. And it's it's heartwarming. Wow. It's got chills that a little bit. That probably should belong below yeah. the podcast. <laughs> probably should have said that. That's a, the, yeah. Well, we're, we're already we're already recording, my man. So let's just jump off from there. So I like to start out every episode the same way, and that is to ask our guest what is in your body, Kevin. What what have you put in your body to date? It's uh, it's what four, uh, five o'clock in in Texas. What have I fed my brain and body? Yeah, it's it's five o'clock yeah. in Texas right now. Um, let's see. I woke up. I had um, I had salmon, uh, pan-seared salmon, with uh, on on a bed of greens, with some sliced radishes and some sliced beets, doused in olive oil, and I had that with some coffee, blended with ghee and coconut oil, and then. The supplementation, nice. I had uh, about two grams of fish oil. Um, I had an organ meat capsule. Um, I I don't like eating organ meats all the time, so I found a company that makes organ meat capsules that I love. Um, and I take those every day. And actually, if you're interested, it's ancestral supplements. And you can use feed a brain for a discount. Feed a brain, all one word. Um, what else? Oh, and I had some sea vegetable, a capsule of either kelp or dulse this morning. 
Nice. And so did you skip yeah, lunch? Yeah, I, I think I had a couple pieces of dark chocolate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, that the asking asking people that question never gets old because whether you're a sleep doctor or a shaman or a gut health specialist, most of the replies are are, are the same, right? And and high fat, um, coffee, uh, more fat in various forms, just like yourself. And then, you know, periods of intermittent fasting kind of here and there. People eat when they're hungry and they don't when they're not. Um, so it's uh, excellent answer. <laughs> not like you could have gotten that one wrong, I but I appreciate say, that. No, it's time to eat lunch. Yeah, right. Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited to dip into this conversation, Kevin. And, and, you know, there's, there's so many different ways that we can go. And one of my questions is, um, more about mentality because, what it took for you to turn things around and to tinker and to push and to and to to not listen to people who are trying to steer you down the wrong direction. My question is before your accident, did you have the same buck the system, I'm gonna go my own way sort of attitude that you well, do? Thanks now? thanks for asking that question. I thought we were gonna go a different way, but I, I like it. We're going back to like before my accident. Um, yeah, I was, I was very much into punk rock, rock and roll. Like I played in bands. I rented sound equipment for underground and usually illegal warehouse parties throughout the five boroughs of New York. And yeah, I I was very much like go my way, going my own way, paving my own route. And when it came to this injury, it really served me. Because I wasn't going to listen to what the experts said, you know. Um, I was going to expect miracles. And I was going to bring them about. Was there a moment, was there a moment in your process where your skepticism for sort of conventional wisdom around TBI, uh, was there like a aha moment how in, in the process where you're like, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, I think it was mostly surrounding nutrition, right? Like, um, essentially here's, here's how it went with, uh, uh, with my, my story. So, so I fell from a rooftop water tower I sustained a severe traumatic brain injury, was unconscious, immediately rushed to the hospital, put on life support while in a coma, was diagnosed with a diffuse axonal injury. And if you Google that, you'll see that 90% of patients never wake up. And of the 10% that do, most are in a vegetative state. I didn't eat, walk, or talk for months. I was breathing through tubes in my neck, receiving nutrition through a tube in my belly, and Conventional medicine saved my life. I would be so dead without them. They absolutely saved me, right? So there's absolutely something to be said, lots to be said for emergency care. Like uh, uh, critical care doctors are just 
unbelievable. And they don't have, like all other doctors, they don't have time to, to sit with you for a long time. But man, they are efficient and like this is what works for saving people's lives, right? And moving on to the next patient and just getting things done quickly and saving, you know, dozens of lives every night. And they don't even get to hear the voices of the people they save a lot of the times, you know? So when, when it came to nutrition, when it came to like getting myself back together, um, I, I, a lot of things went into relearning how to walk, relearning how to talk, regaining, uh, the use of my left hand cause it was flexed inward like that. And regaining everything. That's one piece of it. And then I was lucky enough to be steered towards a functional neurologist. And, you know, most people know about functional medicine, but I asked them about functional neurology and I got, ooh, tell me more <laughs> most of the time. So functional neurology is really, really cool stuff. And if you're interested in, in learning more about functional neurology, Head over to my podcast, adventuresinbraininjury.com, where I interview lots of functional neurologists and neurooptometrists and others um, who really break the mold of neurorehabilitation and honestly brain optimization as well. So I was steered towards a functional neurologist, and the first thing he did was uh, he did a few tests, but what notably he did a blood test on me. And it showed that I had low protein levels, like certain amino acids were low. And I was like, Doc, I eat, a, I, I eat meat with every meal. I eat a protein shake every morning. What are you saying? Eat more? And he's like, he says, no, <laughs> you're, not, you're not digesting the food you're, you're eating. And I kind of looked at him sideways um, and was like, Really? Um, and then I, I started, I started the diet anyways, and I started the nutritional protocol and the things to, that he was prescribing me to heal my digestion. And suddenly I began to regain clarity and I was like, Whoa, there's definitely something to nutrition, which first of all, conventional medicine doesn't say much about nutrition or especially didn't say much about nutrition in uh, 2011. Uh, so I was like, definitely something to nutrition. And I used that re-end clarity. I was like, first of all, what happened? Because I've been in a fog for almost a year. I was in such a dense brain fog, I didn't even know I was in brain fog because I was in a brain fog, right? <laughs> so... Uh, right. So I began regaining clarity. I began researching what happened, going through medical records, text messages, emails, Facebook posts. And at the same time, why did nutrition matter? So I'm, I'm researching digestion, metabolism, neurometabolism, mechanisms of neuroplasticity, anything I can do to give my brain the best shot to recover. And... What that what, what that looked like was not what the USDA food pyramid said, you know? 
not what I had been taught yeah. throughout my life. And, uh, and I was just like, yep, this is all for industry. This is like, first of all, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I, I do a presentation where I bring this up. I'm like, all right, so who gives you these dietary recommendations? I show the food pyramid that I grew up with, the food pyramid part two that doesn't make any sense. And then the food or the my plate. And they all say the same thing, basically. I'm like, who gives us these recommendations? And uh, I'm like, all right, it's the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So what is the purpose of the U.S. Department of Agriculture? I'm like, well, let's look at their website. So I pull up their website and I go to the about thing and I'm like, it says uh, to support the financial, or to financially support rural America, to financially support opportunity for rural America to thrive, something like that. I'm like, this is all about financial opportunity. This has nothing to do with human health. Um, and, and so obviously there's a little conflict of interest there, right? A little bit, a little bit. A little bit. So it was, it was just recognizing the amount of money and industry in the entire medical and nutrition system. Um, that it's like, all right, let's, let's find what's going to work. Obviously, obviously, um, financial interests and, and, uh, what do you call them? Confounding variable. No, that's not the word, but just conflict of interest, right? Like I'm looking at what yeah. is a credible source and that's not a credible source in my book. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So I began to learn how to read peer-reviewed research and research that. I'm reaching out to doctors and practitioners. Um, I I uh, learned of Coursera, which is uh, free online university courses from top universities like Duke and Princeton and Yale and Cal Poly Tech and the University of Chicago. And I began to study neuroscience. And I also took a nutrition course through that. And it was so, it was so ridiculous, right? Eat, yeah. eat corn, eat wheat, <laughs> eat wheat, eat corn, lots of fruits, tons of fruit, yep. some vegetables. Yep, yep. It, was, it was ridiculous. I remember, I remember in a, uh, a nutrition course, we're like, so your body can, you can get energy from fat but your body would prefer not to. And I remember thinking, right. My body sometimes prefers not to get up in the morning, you know, like, like, <laughs> like uh, how do you, how, who's determining what my body prefers to do? Right. And honestly, what right. our body prefers to do is what it's been doing its whole life. Right. So when we start our kids off with formula that's loaded with sugar and we start our, like seriously, babies are fed sugar yeah. immediately. Yeah. Babies are born. Yeah. And, and soy. soy. Babies are born in a ketogenic state. Absolutely. And we change yeah. that immediately. What if we didn't do that? You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're touching close to home, you know, like, uh, I've got, I've got two small children and, 
um, and watching their sort of tendency to gravitate towards sweet stuff and having to control that and reel that back in and make sure that they're getting tons of leafy greens and tons of good fat. It, okay. They're the weird kids, right? Because they're eating, they're eating lots of leafy greens and lots of fats where everybody else at their school and at the playground is munching on Cheez-Its and Go-Gurt and apple juice and no water. They're not drinking any water, these kids. And um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Hot button <laughs> oh, issue for me, Kevin. Sorry. No, <laughs> sorry believe it. I think, I, I, I think it's really, it's really foul what, we, what we've done in this country um, as far as allowing the food industry to take over our schools. I mean, like I said, the U.S. Department of Agriculture that gives us uh, nutritional advice, we pay for that to be taught to our kids. And it, it, yeah, it's bothersome. It's very bothersome. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we go on and on with that. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious about, about, I want to go back to your breakfast really quick. Are you, uh, are you one of those, uh, are you one of those medium rare salmon filet kind no, of guys or do you like cook it through? Rare. Like, uh, let's see. I, do you? Yeah. Yes. Just sear it? I, uh, I sear it. So I have an induction plate, which is pretty awesome. So I can, nice. I can dial in the exact temperature. So I'll dial in like 450 throw avocado oil in there, which, which, uh, the smoke temp is 500. So it's below the smoke temp. I get it just like sizzling hot, throw it on there, like salt and pepper, the, uh, the salmon filet, throw it on there for a minute on each side. And that's, that's how I yeah. do it. Do you eat, uh, do. you eat the skin? Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Um, so you've given me an idea, you know, you're painting, you're painting the picture of, uh, just sort of like following, <laughs> I'm sure you've heard this joke, following the breadcrumbs, even though they're not breadcrumbs to, to do your own research, to inform yourself, well, what's going to work best for you and following the, um, the gluten-free breadcrumbs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. So that's still very high carbohydrates, so I don't know. <laughs> right. It all turns to sugar anyway. Um, what what was so you obviously make the point of like gut health um, in the microbiome the the brain gut connection um, how does that how does that continue to inform the way that you eat and also you know you were telling me about the clients and the people that you work with how does that inform um, do you immediately ask people if they're on probiotics is that an important part of like a, a, an an introductory conversation All right, with you so couple questions there we got we got the probiotic one um and then the what else did you ask there probiotic go ahead when no the 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 connection between the the gut and the brain how do you how, how do you how does that inform sort of your dietary choices and how you guide people to eat and, and maybe tell tell everybody a little bit about about the work that you do in working like who what's who's give us an example sure. of a client that you so work with so probiotics i love probi- probiotics for really though not all the time i'm all about inoculating the good bacteria and then feeding the good bacteria so probiotics for a bit to get everything repopulated and then just uh, just eat really eat feed a brain style or like, you know, this paleo keto, very produce feel filled, 
um, uh, dietary protocol, you know? So the gut brain axis is so important. So here's an analogy I want to paint for everybody. Many connections in my brain have been damaged. And I think of rebuilding those connections or building any connections for that matter, like building a bridge. So what do you need to build a bridge? You need supplies, you need skilled workers, and you need to know the environment where you're building. Additionally, you need to get that supplies to the construction site. So, all right, I laid down kind of like the idea there. Let me explain what each one is. So first, the supplies would be the nutrition, the brain-building nutrition, the, the food that powers our neurons and our glia, the cells in our brain. So what getting that to the construction site would be having our digestion working efficiently. So that's the other piece of getting the supplies there. Next, we want skilled workers. What are the skilled workers? Well, that's the therapy, the targeted therapy, the right kind that affects the neuroplastic change that we want. And then how do we know what we're going to build? That's knowing the environment, you know, like the sediment in the bedrock, the height of the water, the uh, weather conditions there. And that would be the neurological assessment to really understand how the brain is functioning. So if we, if we do the best therapy, I mean, and we, we actually see exactly what's going on with everything. So we do a really solid neurological assessment and we have the best like functional neurologists, neurooptometrists, speech language pathologists, all of these therapists coming together to give the best therapy, but we don't supply the right nutrients to the brain or we're unable to get those nutrients to the brain because the digestion isn't functioning optimally. It's like having the best bridge architects, the most skilled designers and the hardest workers and then pulling up with a truckload of toothpicks. <laughs> so conversely, if we if we eat all the right stuff, our digestion's healed, but we don't do the right therapy, it's like having the best materials to build a bridge, and then nobody knew that knew what they were doing to build a bridge, right? So we need both, yeah. and that's that's how I like to think of the gut brain axis. Um, additionally, you know, inflammation anywhere in the body. Uh, cytokines are released, which have been shown to cross even a healthy blood-brain barrier, which means that inflammation anywhere in our body can inflame our brain. Release cytokines that can inflame our brain. When the brain is inflamed, communication with the gut is reduced. When communication with the gut is reduced, the gut becomes more permeable. When the gut's permeable, uh, whole food particles that enter into the bloodstream undigested. I, your audience know about leaky gut? All right. So For sure it they do. enters into the bloodstream undigested, which causes more inflammation, right? Like if, if a piece of food is in the bloodstream, the blood doesn't recognize it. it, would, it and it responds the same way it would respond if you had a splinter 
or any other foreign substance in your blood. It would inflame the area, inflammatory cytokines, all of that, right? Which, of course, can cross the blood-brain barrier, reduce communication with the gut, gets more permeable, so it's this vicious cycle, and it exacerbates itself. It just gets worse and worse. Yeah. On on that note, and I don't want to, I don't want to derail you, but would, what do you take? What do you like for inflammation? Before we talk about your clients, because right. I'm I'm interested in the work that you do. What, what's the what What do you take? I mean, are you t- are you taking lots of curcumin, turmeric? Like, what, what do you I take for don't inflammation? Take, uh, I I don't take compounds regularly to reduce inflammation. I try to just live a healthy lifestyle, um, but. When I wake up, you know, it's sometimes I go out and I drink way too much and stay up way too late. Like, you know, my buddy came into town the other day and I ended up staying up way too late, drinking way too much. And the next day I was like, oh, damn. Actually, that night, here's what it is. <laughs> that night I had a magnesium 3 and 8 with uh, quite a bit of N-acetylcysteine, which really um, – which really, like, first of all, it tastes good when you mix those two because uh, N-acetylcysteine is pretty sour. And I use the uh, Zymogen um, OptiMag Neuro, which kind of has this berry flavor, and they, they go together very nicely. So I had that and uh, some choline and some uridine and some, uh, uh, some high DHA fish oil as well. And that that helped reduce inflammation. And then the next morning, I had the same thing, and I added curcumin with it. Um, If I had some resveratrol, I'd add that in there too. But those are my main go-tos, N-acetylcysteine and a magnesium that can cross the blood-brain barrier. Yeah. Uh, So tell us, I'm I'm, I'm, going to... Struggle not to interrupt you. Uh, you, as you already gather, I'm, I'm an excitable guy. You know, I'm an enthusiastic dude. <laughs> so, um, um, so tell us a little bit about the work that you do with cool. with the clients that you work um, with. All right. So, so yeah, I I recently published my book and um, got a flood of clients afterward. I I had already been working with clients beforehand. <laughs> Excuse me. But suddenly there were um, many brain injury survivors and people with loved ones who uh, were affected by, by brain injury. And my, my most rewarding clients I've worked with have been mothers with um, a child in a coma. And I... Uh, I work with them to, I work with them more than anything, you know, to like, to get in the right mindset, to work with their, their hospital team, with their medical team. Because yeah, it's, it's pretty clear to many of my clients that the medical system um, is feeding their loved one, you know, corn syrup and soy protein isolate and corn maltodextrin calcium caseinate, canola oil, because that's what I was fed while I was unable to eat conventionally. And it's, it's really, 
it should be criminal that this is what is being fed through the gastric tube to clients or to patients who are unable to eat conventionally. But that's that's the fact. And so I work with them. Um, I have successfully, every one of my clients have successfully uh, gotten to work with their medical team in order to change the feed as well as to administer high-dose omega-3s, which is amazing and shown to be so beneficial and, and very safe um, in, in pretty high doses. So, so uh, six grams of DHA alone is, is considered fine. So I, I have a client who um, her loved one is is taking 12 grams of fish oils a day. Wow. No side effects. No no negative. So side effects the, at all. The biggest thing that's brought up is about um, blood thinning, and um, many physicians agree even physicians that I work with they're like uh, that are colleagues of mine are like well you got to get the you got to get the blood test to make sure that we have uh, we're not thinning too much and um and I I think that's that's great you can do that but the studies show that that really blood thinning is not near as much of a concern as it was once thought to be and so adverse side effects, I don't see many at all. I, I, I don't see any uh, in my experience thus far. Wow. Yeah, some potential mm. blood thinning um, <laughs> being you know offset by all the benefits that you get from that, mm. that high dose from DHA. I was talking with uh, – I had one of the most recent episodes – was with uh, Dr. Michael Bruce, who um, yeah. was the sleep doctor, and he had a TBI six years ago, seven years ago, and he was saying that he takes, get this, three grams a day of uh, of omega threes, and he does three grams three mm-hmm. times a day. So he'll do it in the morning, midday, and right. in, in the evening time. And he said, when I get out of that, when I reduce that down, he goes, I don't feel right. It's 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 mm-hmm. a noticeable difference. Um, that that's uh, that's cool that's really encouraging so you're you're like consulting with families and talking about dietary i mean that that's that's really your thing like you're you're helping coordinate with doctors to make sure that what's going in directly into their belly through that feeding tube is Mm. actual food actual nutrient dense food and um and 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 are, are doctors usually open to that? Is it take for them to just read sort of a couple of quotes from the website and they're like, okay, I'll talk to this guy? Or do they like what? How do you? How does that? Uh, how is that usually received? And 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 I'm not trying to demonize mm. Western medicine whatsoever. Totally not. I'm just sort of curious. No, actually, as to the I, I really appreciate that you bring that up because what I teach my clients is first of all. You need to make this a cooperative thing. Everybody wants the same thing. They want the patient to get better, right? So 
if you come at them with with like cooperation, um, here's what I'm looking to do. Also, patient autonomy is one of the uh, tenets of math- medical ethics. So a doctor needs to listen to what what it is you want. But, of course, if you come at them angry, like, I deserve it, this is my right, you know, this is the thing about the tenets of medical ethics, it's not a law. It's just something that 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 they believe in and, and that um, doctors are taught. Every, every doctor knows of the tenets of medical ethics, but it's not like you have to always do this, that, or whatever. So you work with your physician, you create a partnership. And that word right there, partnership, is so important so that we are working together in cooperation only. Um, I, yeah, I do work with clients. I don't, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's part of my thing, right? <laughs> I'm doing lots of things, yeah. you know? Um, I really love working with clients. And, but more so, I know I can only do so much working one-on-one with people. What I'm trying to do is improve the entire model of neurorehabilitation. So I'm uh, working with a, a study to improve the uh, transition into, um, from hospital care into normal life for brain, injured, for brain injury survivors. I'm um, being sure to incorporate exercise, which doesn't come through a lot of the time. And, and right. you know, exercise just has been shown to have so many benefits to brain health. Just ridiculous amounts of benefits. Right. Um, bringing, uh, you know, upregulating B and F, which is like fertilizer for the brain. Um, releasing endorphins, heat shock, proteins all sorts of things that improve brain function. Um, so incorporating exercise, neurooptometry, uh, I, neurooptometry is really important too because we have, we have 12 cranial nerves in our brain, in our brainstem. And what those 12 cranial nerves are, they're basically super highways where information goes into the brain and where information comes out of the brain. 12 superhighways. That's what affects everything, right? One half of those, six of them, directly innervate the eyes. One third of them, or four of those superhighways, go, or they, they are dedicated to the eyes. So that means one third of those superhighways go to the same point, and that's those two little peepers. So our eyes are an excellent window to recognize brain function. They're also an excellent therapeutic window to affect brain function. Yeah. Interesting. So what is what does that look like? Is that like um, you know, sun sunset gazing and and long distance long distance looking? Is it is it is it um eye movement tests? Is it is it you know, exercises and stuff to improve yeah, eye function. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, pursuits, saccades. Um, yeah, distance, short distance, long. Doing um, 
it's hard to explain it on a podcast, but using like a Brock string, B-R-O-C-K string, uh, if, if your listeners are interested, check out um, Sue Berry, uh, S-U-E-B-A-R-R-Y, I think. She had a TED Talk where she, she, she wrote a book called uh, Fixing My Gaze. And it's, it's really interesting what she's put together. Um, she actually, I think she writes for psychology today these days. And I'm sure I have an article about her on my, uh, on my blog. What do we, okay. I want to go back to the heat shock proteins. Um, do you, do you sauna? I do. I wake up in nice. Nice. I wake up. Um, my morning routine is uh, it, it definitely takes into account the heat shock protein. So and do you do hot cold do. too? I wake up. I turn on my sauna. I I meditate for about twenty minutes while that's heating up. Or well, actually, this morning I, I was doing some functional movements, and then I meditated. So I let it heat up for like 40 minutes um and then i hop and then i hop in the sauna and i spend another 20 minutes where i journal and then and then when i'm dripping sweat all over the page like 20 minutes later i get out and i hop into a freezing cold shower and here's here's what's happening there you hop into the sauna we got, uh, you know, near infrared light therapy stimulating mitochondria. Um, so we have that aspect. We're also BDNF is upregulated. Again, fertilizer for the brain. Endorphins are released. Heat shock protein. So many benefits. On top of that, you're um, sweating, which is your largest detoxification organ is your skin. And sweating is just great for getting a lot of those toxins out. So then I hop into a freezing cold shower, which, again, you're getting nailed with this huge temperature change. And you're getting more BNF, more endorphins. Temperature fluctuations do a lot for us. And then additionally, when you get into something freezing cold, like your limbic system fires and it's like get out of here it's freezing right and you got to you got to use your frontal lobes then we're we're human we have this ability to override so we can be like no it's fine it's just cold water and so our frontal lobes are telling our limbic system to chill out and that scale yeah. so an adage of neuroplasticity is that neurons that fire together wire together and so when we do that our limbic system's firing, our frontal lobes are firing, and those wire together, and they get stronger. And again, our frontal lobe is telling our limbic system what to do, and not the other way around. And that's what we want. We don't yeah. want to be reactive to things. We want to be able to choose what our reaction is going to be. That's massive. And that gets to the heart of meditation. It gets to the heart of, of just personal, personal willpower, you know, consciousness, sovereignty, just the ability to find, find peace, find stillness in, in, 
in the wake of adversity or a cortisol spike or, you know, a, co- a weird coworker or a stub toe, just the ability to keep <laughs> your shit together when your reptilian brain is saying, you're going to die, you're going to die. Like that, that, uh, that's such a massive thing. Like, did that, did that take a, did that take a while? Cause I have, I have questions about your meditation too, but, um, did that, did that take a minute yeah, to develop for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I used to bartend on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, actually, uh, there's one bar in the East Village right across the street from uh, Tompkins Square Park that I used to work. And Tompkins Square Park had heroin addicts in it all the time. And sometimes they'd come over and they'd, they'd just do some stupid things. And I didn't have a bouncer. So I thought it was like I really needed to choose what my reaction would be when they did something stupid, you know? Um, and I had lost that ability after my, after my injury. I, I literally would get angry at somebody and like getting like my, I would get triggered if somebody said a nutritional perspective that I disagreed with. Right. And I would be like, that's not And I just feel my, my, um, everything raises up right I just feel my heart jump and my my uh my heart would raise my blood pressure would go up I'm sure and I had so much trouble controlling that and that's very common with brain injury is we lose that ability and really that's a good sign of a of a weak brain you know lazy lazy attention less of an ability to control our emotions. So, so getting it back, man, that it took a lot and meditation is so powerful for that. What's your, do you have a, what what sort of technique do you do or do you, or is it just breath work or do you use, I do do a kind of a process and I'm kind of trying this process on right now. But I do a process um, where, you know, a lot of people say meditation is clearing your mind. And I'm like, um, that doesn't work for me. Like my mind is going to think and I find meditation to be a very powerful time to direct my mind in the direction I want it to go. You know, so what I do is yeah. for the first, you know, five minutes Here's what I do. I go on, uh, I go on YouTube actually, and I type in Tibetan bull five-minute timer, and it gives me a, a, a like Tibetan bull sound every five minutes. And so first, I'll start off thinking about the present. So I this is kind of a time thing. It's present, past, and future. So I'll think about the present. That means I'm only thinking about I am statements or it is or present tense statements and things that are happening right now. I feel, um, you know, this is whatever, right? Wherever my mind goes with this. And then I will think about the past. And it's kind of I'll think about the past and the present because – this is where I really think about things that I'm appreciative of. Things that I 
really liked having in my life, you know, and showing a mental appreciation and just keeping that at the front of my head. Because as, as you know, writing down a few things you're grateful for every day is shown to increase uh, happiness a great deal, right? So yeah. I'll spend five minutes thinking about what I'm appreciative of, who I'm appreciative of, what circumstances I'm appreciative of, and um, sometimes how they came about, you know, and how I'm appreciative of everything that came about in order for that to be the scenario. And then I'll move into the future. And this is where I visualize. And visualization has been shown to, first of all, light up the occipital lobe and, and other areas of the brain when we actually see things. You know, like, for example, if we imagine doing, if we visualize performing a certain, uh, a certain task, um, like coaches use this all the time, if we can visualize, yeah. you know, say, say an Olympic athlete, an Olympic diver, visualizing this dive, um, the motor neurons for that light up as well. So we're actually building the plasticity for that to occur. And so when I'm, when I'm visualizing a scenario, something I want to build, these ideas that, that I see coming to fruition and I see them coming to fruition, and then I try to see how they come to fruition, you know? So I imagine what's happening. Yeah. And what we're doing there is we're pre-paving the way. Because, like, literally, our brain is pre-wiring those neurons to be in place. So that's the next piece I do. And then the final five minutes, I just I, I let it come. I uh, just let my, let my mind think what it thinks. And it's, it's amazing what happens in those last five minutes. It's like some people call it like a download. From, from the cosmos. Some people call it um, allowing what's inside to bubble up to the surface. Either way, it's magical what comes from that meditation practice. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's, that's, that's totally unique. I've never heard, you know, I, I've meditated and since I was a kid and I've, and I've worked with teachers and, and researched different, different techniques and approaches. And I've never heard anything quite like that. That's really cool. I like that. So at that, that boing, right. you sort of shift Shifts your, your attention yeah. a bit. And wow. to be fair, cool. I got, I got a lot of those ideas from Jesse Elder, who's a friend here in Austin. Um, but th the idea is that our attention what I, what I teach, um, I recently did a workshop on mastering our attention because our attention is the one aspect that we have control over, of our mind. So some people say, you know, we can think our own thoughts, right? No, you have control over your thoughts, the power of thoughts. And I even used to teach a course on the power of thought. And I changed, I changed my mind on that because really we're not totally in control of our thoughts. Like, if something happens, 
if if a gunshot goes off, like we're, we're gonna have thoughts that also is going to demand to demand our attention. So our thoughts happen. Like our thought, I, I think I just heard a gunshot. Well, you did. Like you're gonna think that, of course, right? Um, but our attention to it, and that's that's an aspect that totally demands our attention. But our our sensory diet or what we are exposed to, what our senses are exposed to, those that affects our brain, affects our plasticity. And everything that our senses are exposed to demand our attention to some degree. So if we have a TV on in the background, we're not really watching it, we're still getting that input, you know? And, and yeah, you know advertisements are still subliminally entering our brain, right? So it's right. Uh, it's understanding that our attention is what we control and our sensory diet, we have a lot of control over also. So if our attention, if we can control where our attention goes, and that's a really important aspect of meditation, Right. Um, again, with the, with being present um, in in the first phase of uh, of the meditation I described, being very present is is it, it. I find myself, you know, going off on a tangent, thinking about the future or the past all the time. And what you do at that sure. point is you gently like course correct and be like, no, let's go back over here. So you shift your attention. And the more you do that, it's like a muscle. It builds up and you get really good at deciding where your attention goes. And so the yeah. analogy I use, I'm, I'm a huge fan of analogies if you, you, haven't, if you haven't gathered yet. But I, I, <laughs> I have people imagine their brain as a garden. And I say, you have 86 billion plants in your garden to represent the 86 billion neurons you have in your brain. Your thoughts are like the seeds, and your attention is the sunlight and water. Mm-hmm. We, all, we all have weeds in yeah. our brain. Right? We all have thoughts we'd rather not think. We all have stories we ruminate on that don't serve us. We all have terrible habits. Maybe not terrible, bad habits. Um, and that we'd rather change, you know? And it's like, it's not like we can reach in and pull the weeds. Not without brain injury or brain surgery. And I don't recommend either of those. So what we can do is we can learn to master our attention, give our attention to the flowers we want to grow. And after a while, the roots take over the weeds. And that's how we grow a beautiful garden. I like that a lot. That's great. That's really great. I I feel like I got to put a caveat there because I'm not saying ignore the weeds and like don't look at them. Because like if we do that, we're gonna let they're gonna overtake our garden. No. No, I mean, I mean, no. You you've got it. I mean, um, serve uh, and nourish the things that are good for you. Nourish nourish your attention in a way that's productive and. uh, um, 
creating a good foundation, creating good roots, deepening deepening roots so that so that you fill your head with good, positive, mm. healthy things and not negative reptilian mm. limbic, you know, <laughs> fight or flight things, you know, that that you know, in in my experience and the people that that uh, that I see that 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 come into the float center, um they 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 think about meditating, they think about being present, and then they realize that they don't mm. have the tools. They don't have a technique, they don't have a visualization, they don't have a an approach to 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 meditating and even jumping on YouTube to try to find like a guided meditation or using like uh, insight timer, like the, the meditation app. It's just like, there's too many options. Do I want Gregorian mm. chant? Do I want crystal singing bowls or do I want like rain, raindrops? Ah, mm. never mind. I'm just not going to meditate. Um, but having, having an approach and a technique and an overall, um, um, willingness to, to mm. fail, because it's that's what that's what meditation is. It's failure mm. and course correction, and failure and course correction over and over. And as you know, and you've experienced, is you get to that space where you course correct, and then you're in this like this moment that is just blissful and calm. And then you are back to <laughs> thinking about tacos, <laughs> and then you course correct. <laughs> And then you course correct, and then it's calm and blissful again. And this and this this stream of of stillness and presence and and mindfulness, for lack of a better term, it stretches out even even longer. And then something else comes in, and then yeah, uh, I I I imagine. I just have so much respect for you, Kevin, because that it's it's hard for people that don't have brain injuries to do this sort of thing and to take care of themselves and to and to devote to, to not even devote their lives, but just to devote a little bit of time to their own self care and to their own sort of um, cognitive health and body health and 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 quality foods. And and the listeners for this podcast are going to be vibing with everything that you've said because they are conscious and and. Um, and curious and optimizers, but but I, I just I, I think about the what it must have what it must have been like and what it continues to be like for you to to f- have a new obstacle in your way and like okay well I guess I'm dealing with this thing today um, I'm going to do my best to make sure that my roots grow deep and that um, I'm feeding them the right stuff and that I can continue to to go forward. Um, where do you stand? This is just my own personal soapbox now. It just the, for the people that are regular listeners, they're gonna be like, "Dude, will you drop it?" But I will not. Yeah. I will not drop it. Um, where Where are you at on cannabis, or maybe uh, specifically yeah. CBD? Will you drop it? Come on. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, I I honestly, um, I think CBD is overhyped honestly i think i yeah. think cannabis i all right i've always i i grew up in in boulder colorado we smoked lots of weed i'll, I'll be open about that um i've always had weed around and then i moved to new york and i stopped smoking weed however uh uh one of my roommates sold weed and would like Come in with a big bag and I don't know half half a 
pound. I don't know how much it was. And it, and it, everybody would be like coming around like with the bong and like ready to go. And I'd be like, let me see it. And I'd take out a big old nugget and I'd, that's pretty good. He's like, yeah. And then I would look at him and I'd pop it in my mouth. <laughs> I'm looking at him. He'd be like, dude. And I'd be like, nice. I'm not going to smoke it, but I'll totally eat it. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm a big proponent of food in its whole food form. And I'm a big fan of weed in its whole food form. You know, I, I actually went and visited my, um, my friend in San Diego who has a couple plants. And I was like, can I just eat some of this? And he was like, you need as much as you want. And so I did. I actually posted on Instagram a picture of it. It was a piece of dark chocolate, a really nice nugget, and a blackberry. I'm like, that's a good little snack nice. right here. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I think I think that's that's the best way for us to get um, to get the benefits from that plant. Um, either cook with it or or just eat it raw, make a salad with it, you know, yeah. just to add it to things, treat it like a spice. I think that's the way I'd like to use it. Again, it's it's probably way too expensive to do that, but that's that's how I'd like to see it. Yeah. And and really, with with things cool. becoming more and more legal, I think. Um, I think people will just have a plant in their backyard and it won't be such a big deal. You know, it'll be like any other herb. And we can we can use it medicinally because that's what it is. It's a medicinal herb. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I like uh I like I like your take on it and I like I'm I'm happy to hear that you just chewed just swallowed <laughs> chewed up and swallowed a bud because obviously they're the nutrient density of the cannabis plant is massive i mean hemp the the, the entire plant is is edible you know like the uh, hemp hearts and hemp seeds and the, and the oil and i mean it's just a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it powerful plant uh and because you're a proponent of of whole foods and yeah it makes sense it makes sense that you'd be a that you'd be you'd be more of a fan of of chewing up a spongy <laughs> sticky bud than uh than smoking some weird yeah, hopefully your listeners uh, like that one yeah, yeah they're gonna get kicked out of that for sure <laughs> um so what do you know What's next for you? You know, a, another book, you know, I'm sure that you've got more, you know, you and I took a while to touch base because you're a busy guy. Um, you know, obviously your book is, is receiving just amazing reviews. What, what, what's, what's next for you on your, on your journey to help people, um, on recover from, from well, traumatic brain I, injuries? I will say that, that recovering from traumatic brain injury, that's not all I do. I also have clients that are that are optimizing and looking to just get to the next level. I also have brain injury survivors who have gotten really far and are looking to get to the next level. But, uh, you know, it's, I was talking with JJ Virgin, um, recently, who's, who's a big warrior for improvement of neuro rehabilitation and for brain injury in general. And, uh, and she's like, you know, I'd say 90% of the population has a brain injury. Like, if you've ever had a concussion, you have had a brain injury. If you've ever been knocked out unconscious, yeah. you have definitely had a brain injury, right? Um, 
Actually, uh, right. Doc Parsley um, told me that you can sustain a brain injury from something as seemingly benign as a roller coaster ride because of the coup and contra coup, ah. which is like, you know, your brain is like the consistency of tofu. And if you slosh that around in, in the hard skull, it can do some damage, right? So, yeah. <laughs> excuse me, we've all probably had brain injury in some way or another. Um, but I'm all about, you know, bringing, improving neurorehabilitation and brain optimization, our understanding of brain plasticity. And that's, that's my passion. You know, since my injury, I was studying all, uh, all this nutrition stuff. I'm also studying neuroplasticity and what we can do. So I'm, I'm currently working with Revive Treatment Centers in Denver, Colorado. They are a, a functional neurology center that really has just so many amazing tools, including um, hyperbaric oxygen, which everybody knows, cold laser, which is low-level light therapy, stimulates mitochondria, um, uh, video nystigmography for assessment, right? Like, so I was telling you about the bridge analogy, understanding what the what the environment looks like. That's where video nystigmography is amazing because we can see into the eyes and how they're reacting to different stimuli, balance plates that really help us understand what the vestibular system is doing in conjunction so so these yeah. are really cool tools that we use um a gyrostim this thing's cool so a gyrostim is like an adult sized gyroscope where we can plug in the yeah. exact coordinates the speed the the different pitch yaw and and roll that we want to uh, affect change with to affect the vestibular system in a specific way which affects the visual system. It's called the vestibular ocular reflex, where if your eye moves one way, or where if your vestibular system moves one way, it notices you're moving one way, your eyes move in the opposite direction. And it even happens with your eyes closed. So we can utilize this to affect neuroplastic change. Vibration platforms, um, which, which fire muscle spindles, uh, they do a lot for proprioception. Um, and then what's really an amazing tool is transcranial magnetic stimulation or, uh, or TMS. And what that does is it sends in a magnetic pulse into the brain, into a small little coordinate on, on the surface of the brain that brings those neurons to threshold so that they fire and again neurons that fire together wire together so we'll do things like aiming that at, at certain spots on my cerebellum while I'm doing uh, certain tasks with the left side of my body which has trouble like there's definitely damage to my uh, left cerebellum so it really helps to regain that neuroplasticity Cool. cool stuff, man. Cool. <laughs> Very cool <laughs> stuff. 
So yeah. So what's next? Wow. I mean, honestly, there's so many places to go with things. One of my greatest interests is improving uh, hospital nutrition. So again, it's improving neurorehabilitation. And what that means is we don't feed our patients who have brain injuries, we don't give them corn syrup. We need to improve the nutrition, right? So that's a huge um, aspect that I, I'm looking to change. And, and why stop with tube feeds? You know, I, I, I would like to change hospital nutrition in general. So I'm a crusader on that mission. That's something that's coming up as well. And we will be starting a, uh, a um, coaching program um, as well soon. So head over to Feed a Brain. Oh, one more thing. For your audience, uh, we did the Feed a Brain interview series, which was, it was amazing. I, I had the opportunity to interview the top brain and nutrition experts of our time, like Dr. Dati Sprazin, Dr. Tara Walls, Dr. David Perlmutter. Just got so many, um, Norgi Gaudis, got a lot of really incredible people in the health and wellness space to speak into brain and nutrition and ways to feed a brain. Because we feed a brain in many ways, right? So for your audience, yeah. um, I want to give them a a 10, a 10 minutes of each of the uh, of the interviews for free. So head over to feedabrain.com forward slash preview and we'll also knock off 25% on that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's gracious of you, man. Thank you. Uh, we've got uh, got a ton of uh, everybody's going to be interested in this stuff, and and because it's it's a major major aspect of what we do at Natural Stocks is is cognitive and performance. Uh, I'm sure that people are right. going to take you up on that. Well, you're doing awesome work, Kevin, and I, I appreciate you making time for for us today. And um, I, this is not the last time that we'll talk. I, I'm I have a feeling that we're gonna that we're gonna follow up again sometime soon, man. Thanks for Absolutely thanks for joining my us. My pleasure. For additional insights and practical lessons based on this show, go to naturalstacks.com. The Optimal Performance Podcast is a Natural Stacks original. Our executive producers are Dennis Buckley and myself, Sean McCormick. Our producer is Christian Randall. OPP intro music by Odyssey. Additional music provided by That New Jam. A Randy McCandle production.